This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. I wonder what it would be like to be born in a manger. Yeah. Wonder whatever happened to baby Jesus. He, he grew up. What? Wait. So you're saying that the baby Jesus Christmas story is the same as the adult walk on water Jesus? Yeah. Thanks, honey. Wow, I just never really put the two concepts together. <laughs> Wonder what happened to that guy, huh? <laughs> he, he went to the cross. That's the same guy? Yeah. So what you're saying is baby Jesus is the same as cross Jesus? Yeah. I mean, there's some time in there, right? I mean, he, he grew up, he taught people, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and came back to life, and, you know, now he lives in our hearts. That's the same guy? The Jesus that lives in our hearts? Okay, I was really, oh, wow. Okay, I never really put all those guys together, you know? Only one guy. I tell you this. Here's an idea. Maybe we stop just making Christmas all just this once a year isolated thing, but we make it an ongoing story about the salvation in our hearts and lives. Up top. That's the idea. Like I said, we've been in this series of messages where we've been talking about surprise packages. And I don't know, maybe your surprise package came last evening. How many of you are Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas present givers? You do it on Christmas Eve. There's a few. The rest of you do it on Sunday morning or on, on Christmas morning. Is that right? Did it today? How many of you don't ever give anybody anything? You know, all right. Yeah, I could see there's a few uh, Grinches out there. Anyway. Well, we're, 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 uh, we're glad that uh, you enjoyed a wonderful Christmas celebration with family. We have our family here, and at least part of them. Uh, most of you know Pastor Matt and Christy, who were part of our staff for six, seven years, and they've moved to Kansas City. Well, it's this daughter right here that got them to move back to Kansas City. So if you were sad that they left, she's the one that did it. And you can come up and tell her afterwards what you think. You know, because I already have. Uh, but anyway, no, I'm kidding. But to have our oldest daughter, Jennifer, and her, her husband, Lenny, and uh, then we got the rest, Mason and Maddie and Michaela are all here from Kansas City, came out to join us for, for Christmas, and we're so happy to have them here. And, uh, you know, it's just wonderful to have your kids involved in the work of God and the ministry, and Len serves as one of the pastors in the church back there that they're a part of, and Jennifer is kind of the office manager over the church, so they're all real involved in their ministries back there, and, and it's just great getting together with family at Christmas time, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, people say it's all about family. It's not all about family. It's about Jesus, but it, you know, a part of our celebration of Jesus is, of course, family, 
and being together, and, and in this environment, as a church family, because that's what we are. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord, and it's just great to be able to come together and to enjoy one another. So there are some of you who gave last night. There are some of you who, you're real traditional. You wait until after uh, this morning, uh, after the service, so you maybe, and you'll go ahead and give gifts this afternoon. And, uh, you know, so whatever you do, it's just wonderful that we are able to give uh, gifts towards one another. And uh, when we were talking about this uh, surprise package series, there were three thoughts that came out of the Christmas story that I wanted to bring to your attention. It's just kind of like surprise packages from God himself. And of course, the first week we talked about the birth of Jesus and about the presence of Jesus, and I called it when Jesus shows up, you know. The change, the potential, the, the possibilities that happen when Jesus shows up into any given situation. Certainly that happened for for. Uh, Joseph and Mary. And then last week we talked about when you hear a hard word. And you know, sometimes surprise packages aren't always fun. There some some surprises that come to us are kind of shocking. Sometimes they're a little a little faith challenging and so forth. Um, and and we go through those seasons in our our Christian walk as well where we have to kind of fight our way through. We get a hard word from the doctor and or we get a hard word from our employer or or we get a hard word from our spouse, you know, so many different things can come our way. What do we do when we hear a hard word? And we talked last week about how Joseph and Mary heard the hard word about the fact that she was going to have a baby before they were married, and socially that was a huge no-no 2,000 years ago in Israel. And, and so this was a big deal, much bigger than, than it is in American culture today. And and, and so how did they handle it? We learned from that how you handle hard times, hard words that, that come our way. And life can be like that. You know, sometimes the surprise package is a blessing. Sometimes it's a real challenge to your faith. I prayed with a couple of guys last night who were just kind of going through a real challenge in, in physically and in what they're dealing with and, and in the pain that they're experiencing in their body, you know. And I, I talked with both of these people. I said, you know, the Bible says... Fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes faith is a fight. Sometimes you have to fight your way through to faith because you're not going to feel it. You know, the feeling isn't there. You know, but you know God is faithful and you stand on your faith and you fight for your faith and you claim the promises of God in spite of how you feel. Sometimes you just have to do that. But, but that's the way life can be. But you know, what I have learned through the years is that life is not all about problems and struggles and now, if there's one thing all of us have in common is problems and struggles. Doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't ha matter how much uh, uh, education you have, uh, doesn't matter who your family is, what are, we all go through seasons of real struggle. But life is not just struggle. In fact, uh, I have lived uh, you know, a few years now, and what I have observed about life is that there are more times of victory, more times of, of blessing, and a favor upon our lives as believers especially than there are of, of struggle and, and, and times when, 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 when life and faith is very, very difficult. I thank God that he gives us seasons of rest. I thank God that he gives us seasons of peace. Everything is not always a struggle. And that is also a part of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2 verse 7 says that Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. The, the birth of Jesus brought 400 years of silence from heaven 
to an end in the cry of a little baby. If you were here, uh, I don't know, it was last week or a couple weeks ago when I talked, I shared with you at that time that between the, the Old Testament book of Malachi and the New Testament book of Matthew, in between those two testaments, there was 400 years of silence from God. 400 years. Think about that. So you had all these prophecies that came from the Old Testament that promised particular things would be happening in, in, uh, to, to Israel, the blessings of God upon the people of Israel. And, you know, the Jews sat there for 400 years waiting for the fulfillment of these prophecies. I mean, some of us get ticked at God if he hasn't answered our prayers in two weeks the way we want him to. The, these people went... 400 years, we're talking about generation after generation after generation that never saw the fulfillment of the promises of God. 400 years of silence from heaven. No prophecy, no word, no nothing. All right? But one day, one night, in Bethlehem, the silence was broken. And it was broken in the cry of a little baby. And the little baby was more than a little baby. That guy is the same guy that grew up, that went to a cross, that went to a grave and resurrected. He is more than just a baby in a manger. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. The power of God manifest is Jesus Christ. That's who he is. And so when Jesus came, he broke the silence that had been upon the planet. And it came through the cry of a baby. Joseph and Mary, they, they had made it through the rough season, the rough time of, of, of the hard word and the social outcast and all that went along, religious outcast, everything that went along with what was happening uh, because of her unexpected pregnancy. And now the Messiah is born, and with him came an overwhelming sense, I believe, of peace. Of, of tranquility, a sense that all is well. You definitely pick that up in the story, that once the trauma of all of this came to an end and the baby was born, there is peace that has entered into Joseph and Mary's heart. There is peace upon the planet. There is peace and goodwill that is coming forth from God. The Bible tells us that shepherds watching their flocks were among the first to receive this word of the birth of Jesus. It's recorded in Luke chapter 2. There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Notice again, I just want to take you back to verse number 10 out of, of Luke chapter 2 there. It, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings, great joy, which is for all the people. And so God told these shepherds, listen, things are changing. Something's happened. The 400 years of silence is coming to an end, and it's coming to the end in, in a shout of glad tidings, of great joy. But the thing that really, really encourages me is he said it's going to be for all people. 
It's not just for those shepherds on the hillside uh, 2,000 years ago. It's for you and me in 2016 getting ready to move into 2017. God says, I've got great news for you. I've got glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to you as well. Now, there's a reason that we can enjoy these glad tidings of great joy and this freedom from fear that, that the angels told those shepherds, don't be afraid. There's a reason why that message still rings true with us, and it's because in Jesus, God is saying, I am for you. I am for you. I love you, and, and I am for you. I want you to succeed in your life. I want you to make it. I want 2017 to be the best year you have ever experienced in your life. And knowing that, can change your perspective about life. The Apostle Paul certainly understood that concept of how much God is for us and inspired of the Holy Spirit. He wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse number 31, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? It's not a question. It's not like, well, I'm not sure if he is or not. No, it's saying since God is for us. You can count on it. You can bank on it. Jesus Christ is for you and for your life. God is for you. He's not indifferent to you. I have known people in years when I've witnessed to people and so forth, and they say, well, I, I believe in God, but I don't think that he really knows anything about what's going on in my life. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that God's indifferent to you. It's not like he created you and said, good luck, pushed you out and said, good luck, hope everything works out. No, he was saying, listen, I am for you. I'm not indifferent to you. I'm not uncaring about what you're going through in your life. I know every detail of your life, and I want you to know this. I am for you. And some people, they even take it so far as to say, well, I really think God is out to get me. I think God's against me. But God's word says God is for us. He's for us. So God is for your success in life. He created you for a purpose, and I want you to know this, that he wants you to succeed. And it is God, your creator, who will measure your success in life and no one else. You know, I, I once read, and I have to admit that I never counted this up myself, but uh, I once read, and I think it was probably on the internet, so it's probably, the internet's always right. So, no, no, it wasn't in the internet. Uh, but I, I read that there are 365 fear nots in God's word. 365 different times when God says, don't be afraid, fear not, don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge. 365 different times that God uses the, the phrase fear not or some variant of that phrase to encourage his people. He put it in his word. And that's how, just how incredibly detailed God's plan is for your life. I want you to know that God knows everything that you're going to face. He knows every detail that you're going to deal with. And he is saying to you, I have a fear not for you for every day of your life because I want you to live in victory and not in defeat. I want you to succeed. I want you to know that I am for you in, in every aspect of your life. That means uh, you don't have to be afraid of God. You know, some people... They're, they're afraid of God. They're afraid of God's people. Um, I even know Christians who are afraid of God. 
They are afraid that if they surrender too much of themselves to God, that God will make them do something they don't want to do. You know, so they don't ever really seek to, to they, you know, they, they're in for the salvation thing. But they really don't want to get close to God because if they get close to him, then he may make them do something that they don't really want to do. Like go to Africa and be a missionary or something. And I don't want to go to Africa and be a missionary, so I'm not going to really commit myself fully to the Lord. And, and that's so foreign to what God's word tells us. That's so opposite of what God's word sa- tells us. Maybe you have allowed the devil to place an unhealthy fear of God in your heart too. Maybe that's in your own spirit. Maybe you grew up a, a, even in a real, real what I would call legalistic church with a lot of rules. And you were kind of taught through all of that that God was really angry with you most of the time. Now you grew up in a, in a setting where it seems like you could never measure up to the standard that they were saying you had to measure up to. And so therefore, God was always angry at you. You couldn't live up to his perfect standard. So he's trying to find, he's looking for a reason where he can smack you. And that's the idea a lot of people have of God. You know that? There are churches that are like that out there. That's, how, that's what they teach. They put their people under guilt because that's the way they try to control them is through guilt. But the truth is, we have never been able to live up to the perfect standard of God. If we could, then Jesus came and died on the cross for nothing. If we could be good enough in the first place without God, without Christ, then why did he come? Why did he die? The point of him dying is to let us know that we never had the capability of being good enough in the first place. But because Jesus came and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave... And if we put our faith in him, what he is telling us is that when God looks at our lives, he doesn't see our failures, he doesn't see all the the mistakes we make, all the sins that we commit. When we give our hearts to Jesus, what God sees in us is the righteous covering of of the blood of Jesus over our lives. I I kind of like... uh, 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 science fiction a little bit. I like Star Wars. I like uh, Star Trek. and all. I, now, I haven't seen Rogue One, but I, I like those kinds of things, and this is how I visualize it. Visualize it. I kind of think of the righteousness of God as like the force field that's put over the top of me. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I've got this righteous covering of, of God, of Jesus Christ that just covers over me so that when God looks at me, he doesn't see all my mistakes. He doesn't see all my failures because I I have a lot of them. He doesn't see my sins. What he sees is the righteous covering of of Jesus Christ. So when God looks at me, when God looks at you, if you are a child of God, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He doesn't see you. He doesn't see all your mistakes. He doesn't see the way that you have blown it. And that's why you can live with assurance. That's why you don't have to be afraid of God. God is not against you. God is not indifferent. He is for you. 1 John 4, 18 tells us there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. God's love for you drives out the fear of God. So you don't have to be afraid of God. You also don't have to be afraid of the future. There's a lot of stuff out there that we don't know what's going to happen. Some of you are facing or living with diseases right now, and the doctor is saying some, some, uh, some hard stuff to you. And you say, what's the new year going to bring for me? 
And you know, there can be that fear of what's out there. What if my job, what if I lose my job? What if it goes away unexpectedly? All of these different things. What I'm saying is you don't have to be afraid of the future either. Because he knows every breath that you breathe. He knows every step that you take. Our God knows every detail about your life in 2017. He knows what's coming towards you that you don't know about, that you don't expect. He knows what's out ahead. And he's got a way out for you. In fact, he has promised in his word that he would not allow you to endure more than you're capable of handling. He will take care of every detail of your life. There might be a financial crisis out there ahead of you. You don't know it yet, but it's out there. It's coming your direction. But God's word to you is the same word he gave the shepherds, fear not. Why? Because he is Jehovah Jireh. Jesus Christ is more than a baby. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who is your provider. Hallelujah. That's what that word means, Jehovah Jireh. It means the Lord who is our provision. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 tells us that the same God who takes, Paul's writing this, who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God will take care of you. There may be a health issue out there ahead of you. You didn't see it coming. You didn't know it would happen. But God's word to you is this morning, fear not, because Jesus is your Jehovah Rapha, who is the Lord, your healer. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, by his wounds you are healed. Hallelujah. There may be a spiritual battle out there ahead of you that's going to come against you more forcefully than anything you have ever known before. But God's word to you this morning, Morning is fear not. Jesus is your Jehovah Nissi, the Lord who is your banner of victory. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17 says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. If you are a servant of God, this is a promise to you this morning. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You may need extra guidance in the next year, more so than you've ever needed before. Direction for your life. Do I go here? Do I go there? But God's word is to you is this morning, fear not, because Jesus is your Jehovah Ra, the Lord who is your shepherd. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 promises, if you seek his will in all that you do, he will show you which path you are to take. You may fail God in the next year. You may sin, you may commit a, a sin, sin, some sort of sin, but God's word to you is fear not. Jesus is your Jehovah, Sid Canoe. He is your Lord of your righteousness, the Lord who is your righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We got the force field of God's righteousness covering all over the top of us. And you may face some troubling and anxious days in 2017, but God's word to you is fear not because Jesus is your Jehovah Shalom 
He is the Lord who is your peace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace. Jesus promised in John chapter 14, I am leaving you with a gift. It's Christmas. Here's the gift, the gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give you is not the peace of the world. It's not a gift from the world. It is, it is a gift from God, so don't be troubled or afraid. Isaiah 26.3 declares, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. The word stayed means anchored, uh, uh, connected to. When, when you are connected to the Lord God, he will keep your heart and mind in perfect peace. Now these names, and there are more of them in the Bible, but these names are all what is called the compound names of God. And they're the way that God revealed himself to his people Israel, because these people knew nothing about the Lord Jehovah. They knew nothing about him when he first redeemed them and brought them out of Egypt. But he said to them, this is who I am. And he began to share himself uh, with them. And and he did it through these special names, these compound names. But what I want you to understand is that every one of these names has now been revealed to us as the church through Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ completes every single one of these names and is that to our hearts and lives today. What great, what incredible promises we have from God. In fact, in 2 Peter 1.4, the apostle Peter called them great and precious promises. And I thought to myself, with all that God offers to us in this life, and you add to that eternal life, why would anyone reject him? Well, I think one reason is that people feel guilty. It's easy to avoid what makes you feel uncomfortable. That's why millions of Americans stay, stay away from church and they stay away from Christians as far as they can. That's why we do our best to, to keep God out of our lives. That's why they do. They, that's, 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 that's because there's so much guilt and people are uncomfortable. So they go out of their way to avoid being around Christians and they go out of their way to avoid church. In fact, a lot of people even avoid go out of their way to avoid driving by a church. They, they don't want to, because they feel guilty just driving by one. And so they'll figure out a new way to get to work so they don't have to go by a church. Don't even have to go by a church building. You know, because it makes them feel guilty when they see it. They want to avoid that. They think if they get too close to God or if they get too close to God's people or a church that God will just start lecturing them and reminding them of all that they've done wrong and how lousy that they really are, and they'll feel even worse than they already do. What I'm telling you this morning is that nothing could be further from the truth. Most of us know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But oftentimes we don't pay much attention to the next verse, John 3, 17, that says God did not send his son into the world to condemn it but to save it. In effect, that's God saying to you today that Jesus didn't come to scold you. He came to save you. Most of us don't need God to scold us. We do a pretty good job of that ourselves. Right now, maybe you're dealing with all kinds of depression. 
Maybe you've tried medication, it's not even worked. And you've got all this depression, and maybe there's anger that comes along with the depression. Maybe there's a lot of bitterness in your life, and it's all the result of living your life apart from God, living on your own terms. And so because of it, you're tearing yourself up on the inside. You can't sleep at night because the guilt keeps waking you up. You snap at everybody. You're really angry at yourself, but you can't seem to fix yourself, and so you snap at everybody else. You're not productive in your life, and it's just not working. Just not working. What I want to tell you today is you need to run to Jesus, not away from him. Some of us, we get this idea that we have to be good enough to come to God. That's like saying, well, once I get healthy, I'll go see the doctor. How stupid is that? We go to the doctor when we need help because we're not healthy. And, and to stay away from God because we're not good enough, you'll never get to him. You'll stay away from him the rest of your life and you'll go to the grave away from God because you'll never get good enough. But Jesus is inviting you to run to him because he says, I want you to know that I am for you. I'll never be against you. I am always for you in everything that you go through in your life. So Jesus came to save you, not to scare you and not to scold you. And that's why the first thing the angel said to those shepherds out on the Judean hillside was, fear not. First words, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of your future. Don't be afraid of God because he is for you all the way. Now I know that because of the snowstorm today, probably everybody here is a sold out committed follower of Jesus Christ. I hope that that's true. But maybe you came today um, at the invitation of someone and you said, yeah, I'll go with you. And you thought, well, maybe the snowstorm would get you out of living up to your promise, but they called you up and said, no, I'm still going. And so here you are. I just want to say this to you. And I'll say this to every one of you. None of you are here by accident. God knew that you were going to be here, and God placed this message on my heart to give to you. Whether it was just two or three or five of us, or whether it was a hundred of us, whatever. God cares so much about you that it doesn't matter what the weather is about. The fact that you're here, he brought you to this place because he wanted to tell you two things, that you don't have to be afraid of God and you don't have to be afraid of your future. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.